gentlemen, welcome to the Thursday edition of the Salty Pastor Podcast. Mm-hmm. This podcast is designed for any person who wants to be able to think for themselves, take responsibility for growing their faith in order to experience strength, courage, and confidence in a world that has gone off the rails, it seems. <laughs> My name is Jesse Mayer. I'll be your host, and we can't do the Salty Pastor Podcast without our very own Salty Pastor, Dr. Douglas Peak. Wow, that was so smooth. Wow, you're so good at that. Welcome, everybody. I want to try a new thing. You know, we we're talking about what do we call the Salty Pastor listeners? Yes. So here's a new one. We're going to try this. Greetings to all you salty sailors. Salty sailors. <laughs> Out there sailing the shark and Infested waters on your way to the island of peace, courage, confidence, and real life living. This makes me think of, uh, I want to like dead poet society this and say, Captain, my captain. Well, be your salty sailors and you can lead us through this. Email, text, or leave a comment if you think that's stupid or not. So it's all up to you because I'm going to let you pick your own moniker. What you want to be called. I think that's for the best. Let the listeners decide. Let the listeners decide. Well, we're starting uh, a brand new series last week, Faith and Science, um, Can You Believe in Both? Mm -hmm. And the response has been really amazing to this whole series. Um, Even with only a week down, people are already very excited about what you're really talking about, Mm -hmm. um, the information they're getting. And attendance has shot up. The viewership has shot up. Mm -hmm. This is really obviously hitting a nerve for some people or filling a gap that they're needing Mm-hmm. I, I do. I believe that. And I think it's because people are starting to wake up to how postmodernism, some neo-Marxist ideology is influencing everything about life and how the media has actually picked it up and is pushing it. And it's now infecting everything, uh, including science. And this effect is negative in its orientation, and we're starting to see that. So that bothers people. I I agree. And last week, you kind of showed us that there's three specific categories we're dealing with. Mm -hmm. Um, Science, naturalism, and theism. Um, Naturalism, sometimes called uh, atheism, Atheism. right? Um, And your position is that theism has more in line with science than atheism. Um, and then on Tuesday, you pointed out how Paul in First Corinthians 1 teaches that the pursuit of wisdom or knowledge is foolishness when done outside of the framework of God. On the other hand, this does not mean knowledge or science is, is bad. It's just foolish if you're doing it mm-hmm. without God being involved. Mm-hmm. So why are these distinctions important? Well, knowledge or science, which is the pursuit of knowledge, without God becomes misguided and unethical. Uh, science as a tool can be used for really great good or, or really great evil. Because without God, then you don't have any way of knowing the difference between is it for a great good or for a great evil. Now, on the other hand, uh, why this, uh, these distinctions are important is because if you have faith without any knowledge, then that becomes religious superstition. Right. So it's very important to understand Paul's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And in order to do it, you have to understand the knowledge and the wisdom that he was critiquing. He wasn't critiquing the wisdom and knowledge that we have today in science, in Western civilization, He was critiquing the philosophical knowledge of the Greeks who were pursuing wisdom and the Jews who sought signs. And so what he was showing is that 
uh, if you try to achieve uh, a knowledge of God or wisdom without the revelation of Jesus Christ, which is the revelation of God, it's, it won't happen. The Jews want signs. Uh, they want signs of following the law and these other things. And he says, well, you're not going to actually get to God through the law. And to the Greeks who wanted to pursue the gods or the, the wisdom of the gods through knowledge, he says, without the revelation of Jesus Christ, then it's a foolish endeavor. Because what Paul says, he turned all that, God turned all that upside down and made it look foolish because the truth is found in Jesus Christ, faith in him. Now, this is really interesting because here is one of the logical fallacies. This is a side note, but I think it's important to note. This is one of the logical fallacies that atheists employ. They hate the notion of revelation because they conflate revelation with specifics, like a specific fact. Whereas Christians believe revelation is the person of Jesus Christ. Now you might say, okay, that sounds abstract. Why is that a big deal? Well, here's why. Is that when you uh, have a person, Jesus Christ, as the revelation of God, then the goal in life is to get to know them. Now, I met my wife back in 1987 in Wichita, and when it became apparent that she was the one that I wanted to to love for the rest of my life, I asked her to marry me, and she said yes, and we got married. And in that moment, it took for the last 32 years of our marriage, it has taken all of my faith, all of my reasoning, all of my will power, all of my everything about me, my entire life, existence, and reality, to love her. You know, it's taken everything. And I, you know, today I've known her for over 33, four years, married 32 years. And I'd still have to say I am rationally and reasonably learning all this new knowledge about her and who Mm. she is. So when Christians say the revelation of God, we're talking about the person of Jesus Christ. But what atheists do is they conflate and they say, well, the revelation of God hinders the pursuit of reason, the pursuit of knowledge, because their opinion is that the revelation of God, which first they don't believe in God or it's a revelation, but it's a factual point. See, so it'd be like, well, you know, the, re- the Bible has to say the freezing point of water is 32 degrees. So that's the revelation of God. And well, no, that's not it at all. The revelation of God is a person, Jesus Christ. And that's how we get, we know God. And so that's a side note, but the, the consequences back on track here of pursuing knowledge without the revelation of Jesus, Paul points out is a foolish endeavor. Now, an atheist uh, who will use science to further their agenda always points this out. They say, well, look at all the silly things science has proved wrong that religion believed. Okay. This is why if we get rid of religion, if we get rid of a notion of God, then we're going to be able to discover more things or have more innovation. Of course, this is really a silly position and it's irrational because science has proven more things wrong that scientists believed than religious people believed. (laughs) You know, scientists believed all kinds of nutty things. Uh, I could go back in ancient history, but let's just get real recently. Scientists told us masks don't work. 
That's what they told us. Right. And then all the scientists changed their mind and said they do. Now, I'm not taking a position on masks. I'm just showing how science have proved themselves wrong. Right. Here's the one that really annoys me the most out of anything because it was so detrimental to my development as a child. And that is red M&Ms cause cancer. Was that a thing? Yeah. They banned red M&Ms. Like the food, they, what was their excuse? Yeah. The food coloring? The red was, food coloring causes food cancer. Dye was cancerous. Yeah. It's based on a single study, and the s- single study is they took a mouse, a bunch of mice, and they injected them with like 300 cc's of red dye. You know, a mouse weighs about 100 cc's. <laughs> so, I mean, it's pretty cray-cray, as my daughter would say, meaning crazy. Uh, and that... Oh, well, you, you do anything to anything that's living and it's going to get cancer. That, so they finally debunked that, you know. But my point is, is that science proves scientists as being ridiculous or, or false all the time. Now, when you pursue science, which is a commitment to truth without any objective standard, then how do you know whether you're pursuing truth or not? This ideology has given rise to postmodernism, which is today. And that is where we really see the problem between atheism, postmodern thinking, which is a huge part of atheism today, and science. Uh, Postmodernism has given rise to social theory and critical race theory, which is really influencing our universities across the board. At first... Professors in our universities, in STEMs, you know, economics, mathematics, engineering, technology, they didn't care because they're like, oh, another social theory coming out of the gender studies department. Who cares? You know, I mean, it's just all that. And then they would use words. Uh, These departments were really wise. They use words that sounded really nice, you know, instead of saying, well, let's have equality of opportunity. Let's have equity, which is an equal outcome, regardless of a person's effort or anything else about them. It should be, hmm, that sounds awfully Marxist to me. <laughs> well, and I uh, just to interject, I was listening to a podcast the other day, and they were talking about there is a movement in San Francisco to abolish standardized testing so mm-hmm. that certain races can, they just want to give people opportunities based on their race, not on their, mm-hmm. not on a standardized metric. They're just saying, you know, we're not having enough of these ethnicities yeah. in which these is things outcome based on yeah. standardized testing. So we just need to get rid of standardized testing, which was originally created to allow yeah. people who from may any have, walk of uh, life, from any walk of life, prove that they have the skill set in order to yeah. achieve. And they're the whole point of a sta- getting- yeah was <laughs> was the most objective and fair way they came up with then, and uh, now they want to go back to racially based criteria to yeah and um, I was that like, never what has never ended on? well yeah well what's really interesting is that it's now in- infecting economics and engineering and uh there there is uh a number of things that are coming out that somehow mathematics there's a lot of movement now different places trainings and different things i, I don't know if it's going to take root but that that mathematics is racial you know, and I, I that that's numbers, a real stretch. Numbers yeah. have some racial biases, I guess. Uh, um, we, we'll dig into that another time. But I think it's really important is that Paul 
Sarkeesian, which is not a Christian person at all. I think he's a, I don't know if he's an atheist or agnostic or whatever, but he is the, uh, uh, I believe he's head of the philosophy department or a philosopher at NYU. And he wrote a book called The Fear of Knowledge. And he basically talks about how this postmodern thinking and this social theory stuff that's creeping into the universities is now facts don't matter anymore. And math doesn't matter anymore. Engineering doesn't matter anymore. You know, when, when you walk across a bridge or you drive across a bridge, I, I could care less about the ethnic or the religious persuasion of the engineer who did the mathematical calculations. I just want the math to be right. Right. You know, so that it, it works. And people say, well, we, we just need more equity in that. Oh, really? A lot of people don't remember this. You probably don't know this. But in Kansas City on New Year's Eve, there was a whole bunch of people, thousands of people celebrating New Year's Eve. And there was this beautiful atrium at a downtown uh, hotel. It was probably 10 stories high. And it had these giant walkways that were above, there were three of them. And they did the math wrong on the engineering. They collapsed, killed hundreds of people. Oh my gosh. Killed them, yeah, it's horrible. It's absolutely horrible tragedy because of that. Uh, all because the math wasn't or done right. You see, th th these things don't help people when you try to bring that into equity. You're not helping people, you end up doing the opposite. You kill more people. So. The notion is when you're pursuing truth, how do you know what you're pursuing is true? Well, if you remove any objective standard or measuring stick, then you can rationalize anything. And that's a huge problem. Now, on the other side, you swing the pendulum the other way. Faith without any knowledge is religious superstition. And in Isaiah chapter 2, uh, Isaiah writes, you, Lord, you've abandoned your people, the descendants of Jacob, because they are full of superstitions from the east. In Colossians chapter two, verse eight, Paul writes, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elementary spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. And that is, I don't want a superstition, a human tradition to tell me what's true or not. So the reason the conflict theory persists so much is because of these two reasons. Uh, all of this influence where you remove God, you can make it whatever you want and you want to continue to try to get rid of God. Or you can go the other way and just have a religious superstition. So Paul, in his teaching, is not saying that knowledge is evil. He's just simply saying, without the revelation of Jesus Christ, signs and knowledge in and of itself will not lead you to God which is the ultimate definition of science, which is what, you know, science cannot prove or disprove God. So this fits right in line with what Paul is saying exactly, is that wisdom in and of itself will not lead you to God. So if you are pursuing wisdom with a belief in God, which is theism, then you are going to be able to discover more, know more, postulate more, and be just much more successful in your pursuit of wisdom, knowledge, or science. Well, and it feels to me kind of like if we go to our uh, sailing metaphor that we, <laughs> we tend to stick with in this show is like it's almost like trying to navigate the seas without a map. If yeah. you're if you're utilize if you're trying to pursue knowledge, pursue science, um, it's like you're navigating on the seas without a map. But once you have a map, you have an idea of where you can go, what sh you should yeah. be going. You have some truth that you can rely on mm -hmm. as opposed to just 
floating out and i mean they used to think that you just fall off the edge of the planet at one point yes, in time yes that so, earth was flat yeah and, and there's still people there's today. still some flat earthers yes i'm aware isn't that <laughs> so, hilarious um <laughs> so yeah it's just interesting so yeah. I, I kind of equate it to that in my head that's what it feels like yes. is that the, really the best course of action is to pursue science with the knowledge that there is a god mm-hmm. theism um and if, if that's the case what is some of the best evidence pointing to how science and theism have been in great support of one another well the best way is history because the history of christian thinkers on science is just uh, is completely amassed now in our public education curriculum we study scientists all the time and their contributions to the to the knowledge pool all the time but due to the fact that secular humanists and atheists um are attempting to eradicate any type of theism from the public discourse they want to deplatform it you know it's really kind of funny this is just a side note a little side salty comment is that there's all these people you know that are political and stuff they're all in a rage about you know being deplatformed and how this is so terrible and i'm just like well welcome to my world because here as a pastor I, i've been facing deplatforming since the 70s you know uh not allowed to go into schools i'm not allowed to do this you have to find all these creative ways to get in there and right. stuff they because i'm a pastor they won't let me go and teach they won't let me say stuff so i've been deplatformed over and over again yeah so i i know a lot of christians who are teachers you know that if uh, they say, well, if I were to get up and espouse Marxism or just horrific ideology, nobody says nothing. You know, if I stand up and say I want to vote for this crazy thing or I talk about how Che Guevara was the greatest person ever, which he wasn't. He was a murderous thug. Uh, what happens is. But if I stand up and I say, well, I'm a Christian, then I get censured. So we've been deplatformed for a long time right and i'd also like to say as a side note to that is there's a lot of people on youtube a lot of young people and stuff who say christians haven't been deplatformed that's a bunch of bunk you're a moron okay Um, there's the saltiness sorry my wife says don't call people morons i'm saying people who hold that position are moronic is that a little better i think that is a better way to say it. all right i'll say it that way um but uh it's just the fact welcome to my world uh but hey am i Uh, negative about it depressed about it upset about it no you just keep pressing forward because truth always wins out and the reason why i'm bringing this up is because we've been deplatformed you can talk about scientists and their contribution to the knowledge pool but you can never ever talk about their intent or motivation for their scientific discovery so like why they originally went out looking for this knowledge yeah for instance uh copernicus in 1473 he is the father he lived from 1473 to 1543 he is the father of modern astronomy he's the guy who postulated against the the ptolemaic which ptolemy was a classic greek philosopher he wasn't a religious person he didn't even know he lived before jesus and he had what he believed that the sun rotated around the earth. We were the center of the universe. We were, we were the center of the universe. There's still people that yeah. hold that, hold that <laughs> viewpoint. Yeah. And then, but he came along and said, no, the math's wrong. The, the heliocentric theory of the cosmos, which launched all of this. Well, what they never teach you or anything else is he was a canon law scholar in the Catholic Church. So what he was doing in canon law scholar, that was his expertise as he was trying to figure out the 
the biblical basis for just laws in society and how and how they should be applied in the Catholic Church and outside. So his main emphasis was the Bible. That's what got him thinking about how the sun's actually, you know, we revolve around the sun. So you never know that. Francois Bacon, the father of the scientific method, was a devout Anglican. Thomas Diggs in 1576, the, he was a guy who uh, discovered the existence of multiple stars. And you know what? You'll never know this, but he also was a strong uh, Protestant uh, believer. And he said Protestant faith is the true religion. And so everything he discovered was to try to enhance that. Uh, Kepler, Johannes Kepler from 1605 and on, uh, he discovered the three laws of planetary motion. He discovered the law of gravity uh, in one way proving one of Newton's third laws. He was also the first to propose not. Well, he wasn't the first to propose, but he was one of the most strongest advocate for intelligent design as a motivation for all science using your there's a basic map there's a design to this god created it so we can go out and discover it didn't just chaotically all yeah, happen this it, way there's rules and laws and principles and we can go out and we can figure all of them out so he was one of the first people who strongly uh, uh, uh uh, advocated for this position. And everybody knows who Kepler is. If you study anything in science, you know Kepler, right? Galileo, this is a huge one. Galileo, he was in the 17th century, the early 1600s. He creates a very powerful telescope. And so in 1630, he postulates that Copernicus, the father of modern astronomy's model, is better than the Ptolemaic model, which means the sun revolves around the earth. Now, the argument that ended up with Galileo having problems wasn't between religion and science. It was between two scientific positions, right? The Ptolemaic one or the Copernican one. Copernicus ruled out. I think I'm not Catholic. I don't defend the Catholic Church. There's all kinds of stuff throughout history the Catholic Church has done that is not good. Right. Um, however... In this situation, it's just historically inaccurate to say that the Catholic Church was anti-science. What you know, they were the ones at the time in the middle that it's kind of well. We have to teach one or the other. We we'll, we're going to go this one, and the conflict came because Galileo wouldn't let go of it, you know, and follow the rules. And I'm not saying that's right, but I'm just saying it wasn't a religious discrimination issue against him or a scientific discrimination. One, you have uh, Descartes. In 1633, he had the concept of gravitational influences, uh, which is really, really powerful. Isaac Newton, the father of modern science, and for a lot of people, they detest him because he created calculus. <laughs> and that is the... <laughs> yeah, I could see it. I could see how that could come <laughs> back to... Uh... Oh, my goodness. Calculus. Ah! But uh, he, what's interesting is he, he postulated light is... Uh, Particles, the three laws, uh, uh, Newton's laws. In 1687, he publishes his Principia. But what's interesting is he published a number of works. Only one of them was on math and physics, you know, Principia Mathematica. All of his other Principias were on theology. Hmm. Uh, people don't know that. He spent the majority of his life writing about faith and theology and all these other things. So um, I could just keep going on and on and on. But here's, here's just not a list of scientists. Let's just kind of look back in a general sense. According to 100 years 
of Nobel Prizes awarded between 1901 and 2000, 65% of Nobel Prize laureates identified Christianity as their primary form of religious preference. That means overall Christians have won a total of 78% of all Nobel Peace Prizes, 72% of all Nobel Prizes in Chemistry, 65% in Physics, 62% in Medicine, and 54% in Economics. As a matter of fact, 49% of all literature awards went to Christians. Hmm. So how can you say that theism is hostile to science. You, you really can't say when you look at the historical record, the historical records actually says the exact opposite. Uh, here's, a, here's a funny story too, because everybody loves Einstein and likes to quote Einstein. Here's a really funny story. Modern theoretical physics began massively in 1905 when Albert Einstein first shattered the conceptions of time, distance, speed, and a special theory of relativity, right? Well, this is when he proposed E equals MC squared. So then he set out to have a theory of the entire universe. So now he had this and he goes, I want to see how it fits and influences the entire cosmos. So his equation predicted that the universe could not be static. It has to be moving. But he also believed so in 1970 C in 1917, he proposed a cosmological uh, constant. So his, he predicted it can't be static, but it has to be static for this to work. So he kept this as a part of his equation until 1930. Now, here's what's really interesting. In 1930, he went to California and he met with Edwin Hubble, okay, of the Hubble telescope. And he told him, told him look, in 1929, I discovered that the universe was expanding. And so what's really most interesting is not that Hubble discovered an expanding universe, but that he did propose a big bang. And this, this was the same thing proposed by a Belgian priest, right? A Belgian priest serving in the Catholic church named Jorge Lamatre or Lemaitre. I'm not sure how you say right. it. But anyway, he studied mathematics at MIT. And based on Hubble's discovery, he used math to show that the universe began at a very small point approximately 13 to 14 billion years ago. So a theist discovered the time frame for the origin of the Big Bang. How did Einstein respond to his math? He told the priest, your calculations are correct, but your physics is abominable. Turns out Einstein was wrong and the priest was right. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? That is interesting. <laughs> oh, bless you. Sorry. <coughs> The historic record seems to show that Christian, uh, Christianity is not in conflict with science at all. So what's bringing people to um, believe this? Need the Heimlich maneuver over there? Nope. I, I draw the line at mouth to mouth. I think I'm good. Okay. <laughs> Just a little hard to cough these days. It's a little hard to cough these days. I can't imagine why. Well, I, I think that bad history being taught in our schools intentionally. And since most people aren't students of history, kids are just taught this. And they accept it. And they accept it. And parents don't have any idea. But here's a perfect example, okay? Bernard uh, Palissy from 1510 to 1590 was a French Huguenot 
potter, hydraulic engineer, and a craftsman. At the University of Oregon, you can look up, they have a lecture on science in the introduction, one of their like general ed courses, and this is what it says. I quote, a French scholar, Bernard Palissy, who lived from 1510 to 1589, believed the earth was much older based on his observations that rain, wind, and tides were the cause for much of the present day appearance of the earth. He wrote that these forces could not work over such a short period of time to produce the changes. He was burned at the stake in 18, 1589, a bad time for scientific inquiry. Well, this is not true. So notice what they do is they talk about him and what he discovered, which is true. But then what they do is they falsely claim that he was burned at the stake because he was a scientist. First of all, he died in poor health at the Bastille where he was imprisoned. Secondly, he was imprisoned not because of science, but because he would not recant his Protestant faith. Hmm. That's why he was in prison, because he said, I will not recant my Protestant faith. And at that time, the French aristocracy was Catholic. And so he says, I'm not going to renounce my belief in Jesus Christ. And because of that, they, he died of poor health. So, but these little facts are facts. It's not an opinion. They're facts. And because they're taught and propagated over and over and over again, it just builds this notion that theism is hostile towards science and science should be hostile towards theism. So what we're really getting is that the, the, the thought process is really trying to pivot these two things. They're trying to start a war, basically. Yes between allies like really science and 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 theism have always been kind of hand in hand for a long time and they're trying to start there it's kind of like high school girls well they'll say well so and so said some such and such about you and then they're starting these little turf wars in in an attempt of propagating these lies that will cause them to fight but really when you look at the real facts you break it down you look at it they've always been supporting each other for the longest of times it's just been basically mutated and, and changed yeah and, well it's been false history yeah false history and they built a narrative against it it reminds me of tom clancy's book that was turned into a movie with uh ben affleck the sum of all fears right and the, the whole goal was to get america and russia to fight against each other so if we can create you know these nuclear things going on they'll attack each other obliterate each other and then uh, you know this little group of people can, can take way. over yeah. yeah you know i mean it's 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 back to to a Greek tragedy that that strategy has been used forever and so what atheists are trying to do is they conflate they try to get Christians to attack science which allows them to win the argument so what I keep telling Christians is quit attacking science and start attacking the atheists you know because that's where you win the not battle like, not physically no them, just but. their <laughs> ideas their concepts their principles yeah uh, uh, you know i don't believe you should go out and punch anybody to get to make your point because you're not making a point uh the pursuit of knowledge without an ethical framework of theism 
quickly becomes scientific authoritarianism. And that's what atheists wants. The atheists, uh, naturalists, they want to control the populace. They want to control people. They're totalitarian in nature. And they want to use science as their authority to take control of your life. And they will do that so they can control what you think. That's, that's their primary goal. But on the other hand, Christians can't be afraid of science. Faith without knowledge quickly becomes re uh, religious superstition. And you can't have that either. So... I think what we're studying here is so critically important for everybody to grab a hold of and understand in a way that allows us to not be manipulated or, as Paul says in Colossians, captured with empty philosophy, but also not uh, brought into a place of anger and hate toward, towards our fellow brothers and sisters whom we hope to win to the Lord so that they can experience the freedom in Christ right now here on earth. They can become scientists that pursue, push, and break down the barriers that we need to push through scientifically, all at the same time doing so in an ethical way you see, that allows us to have a measuring stick that says, yeah, we are, we're on the right track. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for all those thoughts today, Pastor Doug. Um, we're going to be talking more about this on Sunday during your sermon, and uh, we hope you guys just join us. It's going to be a really great uh, sermon, and <laughs> we are having a lot of interest in this. So if you've got friends that are, are saying science isn't, uh, never supports faith, or they criticize you for your faith this whole series and these podcasts might be a great way for you to sway their opinion and start opening their heart to amen something bigger and better so right. thank you guys so much for joining us and we will see you on sunday here at foothills christian church all right god bless you